when I asked that question, you didn't say, well, I'm just looking for a good deal. <laughs> like, you know your buy box. Mm-hmm. You are saying, I'm going to stay in the commercial space. I'm going to try to look for multifamily. And outside of that, it doesn't sound like you're going to waste your time. So with the bank being number one, if I default, right, as soon as I default, they get a hold of property foreclosure and they sell it. They are the first one getting their dollars. Welcome to the Cashflow Bros podcast. Um, Jordan, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out with me. So we met actually at our meetup. Yep. And you you said you had already been there, correct? One no, it was my first that time. That was your first time. First okay, time. I gotcha, I gotcha. Sometimes I'm like, was he with you before? But, but my friend who invited me, that was not his first time. Okay, gotcha. So we connected, and then you ha- kind of had mentioned about a deal you had taken down with some multifamily. And, you know, to be honest, like those meetings happen so quick and oh, I, yeah. I think, and I was just like, man, that, Jordan was a really interesting conversation. And I wanted to hear more. And I was like, I'm just going to reach out and put you on the podcast to hear more about (laughs) the deal because it was so interesting to me. Um, And I love meeting new people. And I I felt like at the meetup, we just didn't get a chance to actually meet. And so you, I think, I was about to go to Disney. I digress. I know I'm like getting into the story details that don't matter. But I was like, I can't hang out. You're like, let's grab lunch. I was like, I can't. And then you reached back out, which I really appreciate. Um, and I, you were like, let's grab lunch. And I was like, let's just do a podcast. Come on. Um, and so there's no food <laughs> involved. <laughs> Maybe you're disappointed. I don't know. You have to say, but um, I appreciate you taking the time to to hang out, man. Thanks so, for having me. So let's uh, let's just talk a little bit about uh, a little background. You don't yeah. have to, you know, tell me the first day you're born and all that, but. Tell me a little bit about how you got in real estate, got interested in investing, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'll be quick on it. Got interested in investing because I grew up, my father was a corporate pilot. So I grew up in private jets, but he was just a pilot. And <laughs> you so weren't actually the owner or anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I got to meet a lot of these awesome, wealthy guys who were just super humble. And so it always had me just like yearning for more and pushing myself because right. these guys would tell me like, oh, I didn't have to go to college and here I am with my citation jet or whatever. And so I was like, okay, how am I going to do that? And that's where my You're itch. like, don't go to college, buy a citation jet. Yeah. That's that, the Step trajectory. one, step two. <laughs> Not sure if there's anything in between. But. <laughs> and so that's where the itch came from. Yeah, yeah. But I got really introduced into real estate in 2016, right out of high school, I went and worked for a commercial real estate broker okay. in Cape Canaveral, Florida, where I'm from. And boy, I was getting paid 10 bucks an hour to do everything wow. from writing up contracts, negotiating deals, taking photos of properties, putting on the MLS, negotiating for him, talking between sellers and buyers, yeah. and picking up huge commission checks well, I got paid 10 bucks an hour. Wow. I remember picking up a $75,000 commission check that I had done all the work on. And he just laughed at me and he's like, get your license. Man, so, what a lesson. Gave me a lot of hunger to get my license. Yeah. And I guess to a degree, like w- whether you looked at that now, retrospect, you probably earned more per hour because the knowledge you were learning. Now, it would have been nice to be a part of that 75K commission check. But sure. at the same time, you kind of cut your teeth with people who knew how to make 75K on a deal. That's right. So talk me through, you know, what what specifically you carried away from that. 
goodness, really just the art of negotiating. And he would always be hounding me on getting deals done. Like, hey, right, right. how are we going to find buyers, sellers? And I always go, I have no idea how you got the deal done. It, all through that, it was all through your cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so realizing the power of your network. Yeah. He was able to close deals before they even really hit the market simply by knowing people. Wow. So I take that away. Your network really is your net worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in a conference uh, yesterday, actually, and Dan Cathy from um, Chick Fil A. Yeah, yeah. Was was in was there, and he was talking about that. He was like, "You should be adding," which challenged me big time. You should be adding someone to your network, um, twelve people every day. And I was like, "Whoa, twelve! <laughs> twelve is uh." But so then he pulls out his phone. And he, you know, he, he like scrolls through and, um, slides it over to the moderator and, um, uh, who was John Maxwell at the time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so really great. It was a, it was a pretty dynamic duo. And he's like, read how many contacts I have. And he didn't do it in a boastful way. He's just trying to prove a point that like, I live out what I'm telling you to do right. as businessmen. And, um, he had 23,000 contacts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you can almost imagine, too, the uh, the depth of some of those contacts. I mean, he was in the talk. He was talking about how he was like, oh, yeah, I was talking to the CEO of this company, and we were, we were talking about ChatGPT and how it all changes things. And <laughs> you're just like, he's in rooms with heavy hitters. Right. I mean, he, he's, you know, obviously owner of, of a really big corporation, Chick-fil-A, but it really challenged me that it was like every day – I need to be growing that. And then I looked at my contacts. I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> you have 23,000? Yeah. yeah, I don't, nowhere near 23,000. So I was like, I've got some work to do. Um, and well, so that was, that was cha- challenging. Testimony to even though when you've made it, you still got to put in the work or putting in the work is what makes you, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so you learn a lot about networking, all that, learn how commercial works and stuff. And then I guess... That was down in Florida, right? Yes. So what got you up here and kind of where you're at today? To make it short, I moved to Israel for two years. Okay. I was doing mission work, humanitarian aid with a company called Bridges for Peace. Okay, cool. And that's where I ended up meeting my wife. Okay. She's from Texas. She's not That's a great place to meet a wife. Yes. Doing <laughs> doing doing work for, the for Lord's help, work. helping people. That's great. <laughs> and when we met, one of her conditions as we were both moving back to America, she's like, well... You got to move to Walker County, Jasper, Alabama, where I live currently. And so I tried convincing her to move to the island in Florida, but <laughs> couldn't make it happen. So yeah. Walker County, Alabama, that's where I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long y'all been married? Since 2020. Okay. So pretty pretty new. That's pretty new. awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Two and boys. Two boys, though. Wow. Yep. So pretty, pretty, pretty uh, on. on top of it. I like Fruitful it. Fruitful and multiply. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, it's the journey of kids. It's um, it is one of the most rewarding and also uh, challenging um, journeys that anyone can take. And I think it, you know, when you get married, I say that it really like makes you works on you being selfish. It shows you how selfish you are. Right. And then when you have kids, it's like so much more 10x, (laughs) 10x. You know, your wife doesn't need to be fed, you know, or whatever. I mean, my kid is like six 30 this morning and I'm like working out this morning and, and he comes in, he's like, Papa, make me, 
breakfast. So I'm like, <laughs> man, I'll give me give me ten more minutes on the bike. So, um, well, that's awesome. So she 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 conned you into or convinced you to, <laughs> to, come, to, to Alabama. Go to, come to Alabama, and you've been doing real estate here. Um, for, for the interim here then, I guess. Yes. So I got licensed as soon as I got here, um, became an agent, and then we actually bought our first property this year in 2023. Okay. Your first investment. Yes. That's awesome. And so is this, this is the ones we were talking about the other day, the, yes. the four door and the eight door, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So talk me through, that's what I wanted to hear about. Yeah. So let's deep dive into the deal because I think those are incredible first properties. <laughs> So I think I really need to mention like the, what I learned and how I learned it came from a guy named Peter Harris, old school dude on YouTube. Yeah. Honestly, not even the best quality videos, <laughs> but, but the knowledge and experience he had was incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like this quality. No, here, I mean, seriously, <laughs> dude, I mean, we're talking a whiteboard and like, you know, a yeah. little flash camera, nothing, you know, but it doesn't matter. The principles the are true. Yeah. Um, but I did pay $10,000 for his course, which it probably wasn't, it wasn't what I was expecting or anything like that. But you know what happened is I paid $10,000 for a course. I was going to get my money's worth. So, yeah. I mean, I stuck with what he, he taught in it and yeah. it got us our first property. That's awesome. So the biggest thing was, you know, how to find and analyze a deal. Yeah. You know? And so we were like, we're going to do this thing. And he taught yeah. us how to do mail marketing to find an off market okay. property. Um, we had a great response rate through his strategy. Great. And then we ended up finding a fourplex 10, 15 minutes from our home. Um, older gentleman, he was a doctor, really didn't need any money, just kind of like, yeah, Jordan, I'm chilling. Um, I remember it was cracking me up. He pulled up in an, just a little SUV when I first met him, but day we closed, he came in this orange Hellcat. <laughs> And I was just like, dude, you're the man. <laughs> He's like flex. Yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> but Mr. Barton, he gave me my shot, you know, that chance. Yeah. Um, how we negotiated it, like I met with him several times, but I had like cold feet. I didn't know what I was doing. I was new. Yeah, yeah. And um, I met with one of my, my dad's clients who does real estate. Okay, And great. I call him my mentor, <clears throat> but to be honest, the only thing he did was motivate me. Yeah, yeah. He he really didn't walk me through anything. He was just like, go do it. Yeah, yeah. It's literally if I summed up our conversation, he's like, just do it, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. And having his faith in me made me go back to Mr. Barton, and we had a lunch, and I had my folder full of other uh, comp properties and, you know, ready to negotiate, and he knew it. He gave me a, a number, and I slid all my comps across the table, and I said, listen, Mr. Barton, I'm not going to negotiate with you. I'll give you your numbers if you just give me my terms. And he said, I'm listening. And wow. so we structured a really nice seller finance deal. And that's how we got in our first property. He only required about $10,000 down. Wow. That's crazy. So you bought a four-door for $10,000. Yep. Man, that is beautiful. Yep. Um, Textbook. And yeah, I mean, I would say that that ten grand was every worth it. Every worth. Even to think, like you said, you were bought in at that point. Mm -hmm. Literally. Now, did you quote unquote overpay for it? That's debatable, but at the same time, that put you and your wife on the line of like, we're doing this, or you know, there's Just no other option <laughs> because yeah, because we're wasting our money in. And then obviously the tactics work and everything like that. Well, and I need to say, ten grand was 
almost everything we had. It's yeah. not like we had oodles and boodles, you know. Young couple <laughs> just got married, had a baby. Like, yeah. 10 grand was a lot for us, you know. Yeah, it is. So it it worked out. Yeah, that's great. So, and then, so how did you get the aid door? Is that a little bit later in the story or was it, did he own that too or? He did not. So the fourplex was February. Okay. And the eightplex was August. So it was listed and everything was going fine with our fourplex. I mean, I was doing everything myself. I was mowing the lawn. I was collecting rents. I was dealing yeah. with any issues whatsoever. And I saw this eight unit, which was like a mile from my house. Okay. It was on Zillow. You know, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be in bed at night just on Zillow, multifamily, you know. And I was like, I want to look into this. And so I started running the numbers. And I was like, I think it's a deal. So I told my wife, if we can't get it with some creative financing, I won't do it. I was like, because we just sunk a lot of money in this. We'll make sure yeah, we don't yeah. use our She's reserves. like, I'm not ready for another one. No. And you're like, okay. I'm Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I told her, like, if we can't do it with yeah, minimal yeah. money, we'll walk away. So how we ended up structuring it, again, you know, I didn't get to my 12-unit portfolio without the help of so many people. Um, I sent them a couple offers, and they, they were like, okay, we'll work with you. It was a couple out of California. They've never been to Alabama. They've never seen this property. Right, right. And I sent them a long email through their realtor because it was listed. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, once again, we're young. We're ambitious. We, we got a fourplex, so we kind of know what we're doing, kind of, you know. And uh, the offer was that it's it's the strategy is seller carry second mortgage. Okay. So yeah, basically yeah. the down payment, the seller is going to hold that. Yep. So, so, sorry, I'm going to stop you right there because yeah. I, I understand it. Yes, and then yes, you sometimes yes. forget like, you know, so, so break that apart. How does that, how does that structure work right. kind of in detail? So what we had to do is we had to find a bank willing to give us the 75% of the value of the property. Correct. And instead of me coming up with 25% as a down payment, what we're doing is having the seller hold that as a secondary mortgage or a second lien on the property. And it's not like they're actually uh, lending you that money. It's just that they take that on as you owe them. It's their equity mm-hmm. portion. They're choosing not to be paid at close. Correct. So it's no money. It's it's no money to them, but it's also they're not paying you money. Correct. They're just giving you 25% of equity in a loan form. Um, so it's a win. So so you're going to pay that over certain terms that you, you agreed to. And you went to this closing with $0 then? So it got interesting. <clears throat> On the terms for the seller's note, right. there's no payment at all for three years. So okay. my goal is when interest rates come down to refinance yeah, the property. Yeah. But the bank did not like this idea of just creating – you know, a second mortgage. Right, right. So they required money to move. And so I had to figure this out. Basically, they, I knew in my head what I needed to do, but I had to make it happen. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't figure out how to find 25%, which was about 125 grand of this property. I couldn't figure out how to borrow it for five minutes to basically put it at the closing table and give it right back to someone and then just assign that 
as a loan, as a secondary mortgage. Right. It was very hard for me to find that. I asked my friends, my family, like, can I borrow 125 Doesn't grand? Doesn't anybody have 125 <laughs> Five minutes, like five minutes, I promise, you know? And uh, That's uh, interesting. The sellers were very kind because I had to change the contract and it took me months to figure yeah. all this out. Well, the listing agent was like, please call this guy. He's a, a local guy in the area named Matthew Gregory. Um, very helpful. I only met him one time. Yeah. We went to lunch, and I was just like, we went to Waldo's. If you've been to Waldo's, it's fantastic. I haven't, but now you gotta I, go I got to try it, you know. Deals are being done at, at Waldo's. Waldo's saying, yeah, yeah. You the, heard it here on the podcast. <laughs> get the foul mouth if you like spicy sandwiches. But we go to Waldo's. I was like, you know, ready. You know, ready to, yeah, to yeah. talk, right? We talked for like three minutes about this deal. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, it sounds cool. And then we just talked about me and Israel and his mother's uh, nonprofit. And that's so cool. Just really connected. Yeah. And once again, back to relationship and networking. Yeah. Big time. Because I, I think if he wouldn't have trusted me or anything like that, it would have never happened. And so he was willing to let me use a 125 grand for Five minutes. Yeah. But I did pay him $10,000 to let me do that. Okay. Because I was like, please, like, this is the last thing I need and this deal's done. Yeah. This is where it gets fun. It was listed. The property was listed and I'm a licensed realtor. So I was paid a commission Beautiful. to buy this property, right? Right. All the closing costs were $6,000. And then I also had Matthew the 10. The commission was $12,000. And so I wrapped $10,000 more into my mortgage with the bank to pay Matthew Gregory off. I walked away with a $6,000 check at the end Dude, of this deal. That's so beautiful, man. Yeah. And and it's funny because, you know, some people would look like you paid 10 grand for the money, but it's time that that's the opportunity you had. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you'll ever look back and regret like that. I mean, you acquired a property and you got paid 6 grand. Well, That's phenomenal. And the amount of cash flow and the, the debt pay down, I, I'm going to make that yeah. double, triple this year yeah. from this property. It's awesome, man. Now, and they're, and it's great because they're close. You know, right, I, th I right. think it's, it's, it's something to be said for, you know, and not to say you can't invest remote. I think there is definitely you have to have a really good team. Right. You know, but for your first property to have these properties kind of close gives you a little bit of leverage from a you can actually meet the plumber out there and you know try to get a good price on the plumbing and different stuff versus kind of beholden to your team to do that when you're remote and you can do that but you need a little bit more um coverage right. if, as far as finances go to to do those spreads if you will and just to clarify on the deal so when matthew put the 125 in it went into the attorney's account and then it was uh, assigned to the seller. Right. So that, that money went back to Matthew, and then the seller was now assigned with that second mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Which also means if I default or anything, the first person to get their money is the bank. Right. And that's why yeah. the bank is comfortable, because they know they're the first one to get their yeah. money. Just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. They, so talk through, some people don't understand seconds, thirds, fourths. Right, right. So talk through positions on mortgages. Because a lot of people don't even know you can put multiple mortgages on a property. On a property. So break it apart. So basically, you know, easy math, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, first, second, third. Fourth. I want to be number one. Right. You <laughs> want to be that number one. That is the best, best spot. <laughs> and so with the bank being number one, if I default, right, 
as soon as I default, they get a hold of property foreclosure and they sell it. They are the first one getting their dollars. They're getting paid first. If there's anything left over, you know, hopefully the second person, the third person. Right. Uh, you know, in, in my case with this property, the bank is first, the seller would be second. And if I have a line of credit or a HELOC that I took out of it, that would be third. Right. Now, some that a lot of people don't know or, or don't think about who is the true first position on that property? Do you know? The bank? No. No, oh, Uncle Sam? Uncle Sam. Oh, big time. Oh, taxes. So taxes, yeah. yeah, yeah. If taxes don't get paid. Oh, yeah, it's gone. They're the first one to get that property okay. and get themselves paid out first, then the bank. Sure. You know, so it is a true first. The bank has a true first position because technically there is no lien as long as the taxes are being paid. Right. But as soon as taxes are defaulted, like the city, the state, like they're getting their money first mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> before any other entity is. Um, and so that's how foreclosures happen, obviously, because, you know, that's the, the, the city taking over that property to get themselves paid and then make everybody else in subsequent line whole, um, hopefully, uh, in a, in a deal like that when it's sold at the court, county courthouse steps. So right. I think it's just an incredible story and I appreciate you sharing, but you know, one thing I took away from it too is, you know, as you were stepping through these, these stepping, you know, gateways, if you will, or whatever, I'm sure there was a lot of fear <laughs> and oh, yeah. not a new stuff. I mean, you were taking down bigger deals than most people do for their first deal. And second deal, given that, you know, and um, talk me through the mindset of kind of just doing, it sounds like you kind of were like, I don't 100% know everything, but I'm going to just do the next thing. I'm going to do the next thing in front of me. I'm going to try to solve this next problem instead of getting caught up in, I don't think this is going to work. Does that make sense? Like, oh, it yeah. seems like you kind of had that mindset. Talk me through what was going on and how, how was that difficult? Was it easy? You know, I, I'm assuming it's pretty difficult, you know? <laughs> I'm a trial by fire kind of guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely headstrong in that. Like, yeah, it'll work out because it has to. You right. Know? That, that's, that's always been the mindset of kind of burn the boats, you know? Yeah. We're here, you know, nut up or shut up. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was a lot of fear, but also having kind of people motivate, uh, motivate me. But also, like I said, I didn't get here by myself, you know, all the people along the way who kept pushing and encouraging. Um, you know, like I said, my, my mentor really, Walter, he's just like, go do it. Uh, the listing agent who connected me with Matthew Gregory, she was like, don't give up constantly would text me. Don't give up. This is for you. That's awesome. Um, my wife, my wife's family. She's like, this commission is for me too. (laughs) 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 But, but no, I mean, everyone was very encouraging. Um, and you know, I, I'm really thankful for that network and community behind me. But yeah, a lot of fear of, oh my gosh, you know, if, uh, all of a sudden, all the water goes out or the roof collapses yeah. or whatever, but you just keep learning as you go. You're, I mean, it's a high-risk, high-reward right. game. And, um, you know, I bought a portfolio last last year, um, and uh, it was it – was, overall, I think it's going to be great. But the first year, I mean, within the first year of acquiring it, I hit 50% vacancy. Whoa. And I mean, it just chewed through my cash and, um, and I'm, you know, figuring it out and definitely, you know, luckily had resources for that. 
Um, but I didn't expect that. Like, and, and if you had told me on the front end <laughs> that that was going to be the case, then it would maybe would have been a slightly different story of maybe me acquiring those properties. But at the end of the day, do I look back and regret moving forward? No. no. In 10 years, do you think I'm going to regret it? No way. No way. And so um, I think that's the, the, the cautious optimism is I've seen just a continued trait of really good investors is um, they're just willing to do the next thing in front of them, solve the next problem from them, and instead of worrying about will everything be perfect because we both know the answer is no. No, it'll be. <laughs> it's, just, it's just truth. It's not going to be. But can you minimize as much risk as possible and then move forward? So, um, so what are, I guess, plans for the future? I mean, obviously, you've locked up two really sweet, very creative deals. Um, what is your kind of next move? Are you still looking? Are you just trying to figure out, are you going to stay only multifamily? Are you going to look for single family? Like, are you going to try to stay really close to home? Or are you branching out to other areas? I'm just curious as to your mindset and your strategy and kind of what you're thinking. Oh yeah. Loaded. Um, we're definitely, <laughs> let me ask 50 questions yeah, yeah. and then just let you go. <laughs> we're, we're definitely not done. Um, I've been negotiating with one lady on her 30 units. Uh, basically, I drove by. I saw the sign in the yard. Yeah. It wasn't for sale or anything. It was like the sign for the apartments. Yeah, yeah. I called and was like, I want them. And yeah. so she's like, I'm not really selling it, but we can talk. Yeah. So still working on her. I would love to get into there. Uh, today, I went and looked at 20 units that right. need a major rehab. Um, it's beyond my scope, but now having the network that I do in the area, it's something I can bring to somebody else right. and partner with. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely open. I say we. We is my wife and I. She's yeah. my partner on our LLC. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we're open to, we've considered an industrial. We've got friends who are doing a bunch of industrial. Heard a lot about the triple net lease. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The beauty of a 10, 11, 12 cap rate, you know, <laughs> and they're handling all the, the expenses. Right, right. Um, warehouses. Uh, primarily those three would be what we would focus in. That's great. Um, yeah, just trying to figure it out how to grow to scale at this point, uh, how to do it cautiously but optimistically. That's great. I, I love, too, that, you know, when I asked that question, you didn't say, well, I'm just looking for a good deal. <laughs> like, you know your buy box. Mm -hmm. You are saying, I'm going to stay in the commercial space. I'm going to try to look for multifamily and commercial, mm -hmm. like, you know, warehouses, basically. And outside of that, it doesn't sound like you're going to waste your time. Oh, no. And and that helps that focus, I think, is going to give you a lot of success because, you know, I mean, you're still pretty early on, but I think it'll allow you to become known as like, oh, this is the guy that likes to find this or partners with people or knows buyers, you know, and you're just going to start to continue to turn up really big deals so and and you know luckily in our you know areas in Alabama I mean there is a lot of industry and the warehouse and all that industrial stuff is really needed so I've always thought it would be cool to do a um like a warehouse industrial space but have like separate parked units because you have a yeah. bunch of like Lawn care people and right, different people right. who need a space, but they don't need a whole warehouse. Right, and almost rent by bay. But um, that's a big. And I know niche. some people do it, but I don't. I don't know if there's anybody in Birmingham doing that right now. Um, I know of a lot of flex space kind of people. Right, but yeah, if you start making a name for yourself, 
you probably have to start building them. Yeah. That that's the issue. Cause yeah, because retrofitting a warehouse might be too expensive. Right. Yeah, yeah. And kind of each each one would need power. Each one would need right. yeah, yeah. So um Can well, I throw that's like cool. a shameless plug out there and like <laughs> what I'm doing. Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead. So I got started as being a realtor here in Alabama, and I've been brought over to the dark side of life insurance because of something called infinite banking. Yeah, yeah. So my buddy does some of that. So okay. talk talk me through. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit of a skeptic because sure, sure. I got pitched it, and um, and the the upfront cost to set up the policy. Yep. Uh, was to a point that I felt I liked the idea, mm-hmm. but I felt like my income and my current earning potential with my liquidity, right. I could make more money doing a flip or doing like leveraging the things that I have at my fingertips. But not everybody has those potential opportunities. Sure. But all that to say, I don't know much about infinite banking, um, and I would like to learn more and. In your honest opinion, what is a good price point of like, I make 150K a year. It's good, you know, like if someone was making $30,000 a year. Right. Let's both be honest. This ain't for you. This ain't for you. <laughs> and, and anyone who says that is to me trying to get a sale. Trying to get a sale Big and time. honestly not worth their weight in gold because it's, you know, not okay. Right. But at what price point you think like you're making this much money, your income is this, where, you know, so yeah. So loaded question, love it. Uh, <laughs> infinite banking, boil it down to what it is. It's cash-valued life insurance. The benefits of it is it grows at a guaranteed rate. What I consider is like a really great savings tool where right. you want to park money that you're not ready to use at the moment, but you're planning to use it. So like if you're looking for a deal, right. you don't have one on the table, but you're like, hey, I need my down payment money ready at any moment. Right but I want it to be earning money at least, you know, and I've had people put in the stock market and then month, you know, war, something, you know, Ukraine, I don't know. And it tanks. And so there goes their down payment money and they're not ready for a deal. Right. So that, that's the value that I see in it. You know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I listened to it. I thought it was interesting. I listened to a, um, a podcast with Ryan Panita and Brandon Turner. Yeah. Yeah. And they, man, I, it challenged me, and I, I don't know if I completely agree with it because they are in a whole different realm oh, of money and, oh, yeah. and you know everything. But their point was basically, you need to build a business mm-hmm. um, that's making at least, I think they were saying like almost a million dollar in rev, maybe fifty five hundred k, and then take that surplus of money and start invest it, it in there and start for, start throwing in there or no more just like invest in real estate was right. what they were talking about but their their idea was basically like you need to build a business to make a ton of money right <laughs> and then take that ton of money and go buy real estate 100 percent. um and i don't know if i completely agree because i think it, it could be an inhibitor for a lot of people to at least start their investing career well and how did they um, get to their million dollar business yeah they through real estate and they were making a million dollars before they bought right. their first investment <laughs> right. so they're kind of giving advice that they don't personally you know didn't adhere to um, but all that to say is, yeah, like some of these savings things do seem like you need to have excess. Right. 
Like you need to make sure your bases are covered and then you can start saving the excess. Right. So how do, how does it work? How do you structure it? How do you set it up? And so, when can you borrow back from it for that flip or whatever it is? So structuring these, um, you put the money in and it's accessible within three days. It's just like a savings account. Right. Um, how ours are structured, it's a 60-40 split in that first year. So what I mean is every dollar you put in, you have access to 60 cents of every dollar. That 40 cents is going for that life insurance, and that's only in the first year. Right. So moving forward, year two, year three, and forever, it's going to be almost 100% of every dollar you put in, you have access to and is earning a guaranteed interest rate tax-free for life. Right. So And then... There are penalties, I, I say a little bit, my understanding is there's penalties that you have a certain amount you have to contribute for a certain amount of time. Right. And that is the agreed upon, you know, you have s- several ways you can set it up, but you can say, I want to contribute X amount of dollars for three years. If you don't do that, what's the consequence? So you will lose that life insurance and you'll be forfeiting the death benefit, but you'll receive all the cash value in the policy back because that's always guaranteed to you, your cash value within it. Um, So basically the policy at that time is in default, and you can catch it up if you want to. So you can even use the cash value in the policy to pay off your yearly due, whatever it is, just to make sure you don't default on it if you're ever having a bad year. Right, right. But um, really the beauty of it is setting a floor and a ceiling. So that's 60-40, right? Let's just use $10,000. Moving forward, you can never put in more than $10,000 in a year because then it's taxable. Then it's a crazy tax loophole, right? Right, right. But that floor, setting that bottom number, which would be $4,000, is your minimum. Right. So moving forward, you have to put in at least $4,000 just to keep this thing going. Mm -hmm. Like I said, every year after year one, every dollar you put in, you have access to immediately. Yeah. And I've heard too, because of the way it's structured, the sooner the better because of your age. It is a life insurance policy, so there's still some accounting for your life expectancy and and the rates and the returns and all that are more advantageous when you do it sooner. And the the friends that I know that are really into it, I mean, they've set up accounts for their kids. and, And my understanding, tell me if I'm wrong, but so someone had said, why are there so many vice presidents at banks? Mm. And I could be wrong on this, but you might be able to correct me. It's because the banks are taking life insurance policies out on these uh, executives. They give them a benefit. We'll say it's $20,000 life insurance. The bank itself is pulling out hundreds of thousands of dollars on that executive because you can if you're an executive and that's the way they use that's a that's a function they use to basically make money on their money um is these life insurance policies so the banks are doing it you're 100 right it's it's also the goal man it's so good when i'm right come on it's the i guess i know more than i think i do come on come on Um, so, so why, why is that legal or I like talk me through how that's okay. It seems kind of a little, like I can take an insurance policy out on someone else and reap the majority of the benefit of that policy. Uh, it just seems kind of wild to me. You have to have an insurable interest. 
So a lot of companies will do this for like key employees. Yeah. So you business owner have a rock star contractor. Right. And you're wanting an incentive to keep him or also make sure if he ever leaves or God forbid perishes. Right. You have a way to compensate yourself to find someone else to In do the it. interim. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's there has to be that insurable interest. Right. But also what you're describing with the banks is like golden handcuffs. Because what they'll do is after your vesting period, let's say 20 years with the company, right. they will then make you the owner of that policy, giving you that cash value of that life insurance. Wow. Yeah, it's a big loophole. Do you know who owns the largest amount of life insurance in the state of Alabama? I, I don't. Regions Bank. Yeah, I would. Regions Bank. <laughs> the biggest bank yeah. in Alabama probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a couple billion. I don't know the exact <clears throat> number, but a couple billion. That's with a B. And just they, they just in case in you didn't hear that. Yeah. Million and billion get confused yeah. sometimes, and it, that's with a B. But that, thanks that's for crazy. a little detour. I just wanted to give a little shameless plug about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's always great to educate. Like I said, I, in the circles of investing, I've heard the bank on yourself a lot. And it is something that I've considered, I think, at this point in my career, why I've stayed away from it is because I want a little more surplus right. of cash to really, like, overfund these things. Um, and the liquidity like i just need like right now in my investing career i need every ounce of my liquidity i can't do that 60 40 split the first year i just can't do it it's a hard hit and so um but down the road i think i'll be in a position where i want some options and i've always said this about investing that the first part of the game is learning how to make money right the second part of the game is learning how to keep Keep it it. (laughs) and um and so that's where I feel like, and I think that they can intertwine. I think you can learn both strategies, um, but to a degree, you can't be so focused on the second step that you fail to just learn basics of like, you know, how do you acquire property and how do you, you know, um, structure a seller finance deal. And right. I think that was what's interesting and why I think you were successful is you did one course. Yeah. <laughs> you went over one asset. And really, for the most part, you've done one strategy, which is creative, financing. like creative financing. I mean, the bank funded the a portion, portion of the second part. But it's it's not like you got shiny object syndrome and were jumping around. Or was there a point when you were kind of thinking, oh, maybe we should try single family? Like, Or was it that focused from the get-go? There was never a single family thought process at yeah. all. Um, You're like, if I got to own the commercial jets, I got to go commercial <laughs> properties, right? <laughs> with with the, the cautious optimism, I was like, go big or go home. Yeah. Like, we need to land. I mean, I was looking at huge properties in Alabama at first. Like, we I need to it. land a huge one, and we need to do it right. And just yeah. that would be a full-time career managing a yeah, – we actually yeah. went to look at a $12 million apartment complex in Mobile. Okay. It was a solid deal. I mean, I ran the numbers. I knew it was a deal. Yeah. I called one of my father's uh, contacts. You know, I was like, and I told him, like, I don't want to burn this relationship. Right. At first, it was verify me. I yeah, knew yeah. this guy was a big-time real estate investor. Is this a deal? Yeah. And he's like, Jordan, you found a deal. <laughs> and he's like, if, if you do want to pull the trigger, I would potentially invest with you. Right. So I found the money. I knew it was a deal. Right. I found the deal. Yeah, yeah. So I went down there to negotiate it and... The realtor kind of blew it up. 
Uh, we man. were supposed to meet. I really wanted to meet with the realtor and the seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get this to. taboo. I totally get this taboo, but like, come on. I mean, I had never. It's a big even, deal. I never done a deal in my life yet. Yeah, yeah. So he agreed. Yeah, the seller and me will meet you down there. I show up. I got an Airbnb because Mobile's a couple hours from yeah. us, right? And the seller's not there. He's at the uh, beach, and I'm like, what? What the heck, man? And so, kind of blew the deal. Gave me a really bad taste in my mouth, and yeah, we walked away from it. But well, you know, I'll be honest too. I think sometimes one experience informs the next. Big time. And, you know, I can go to a bank now and borrow more money than I could when I first started. Sure. And I'm sure in 10 years, you know, I will be able to borrow even more. And it's because I have a um, scope of work to show them to say, I know what I'm doing. And that's a pretty big leap to go from zero to $12 million. Now, obviously, you had a connection and potentially could have pulled it down, which would have been incredible and probably unheard. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're not on my podcast. (laughs) Um, But but all that to say is, like, I think what you did pull down was still incredible and still very much outside of what the typical first-time investor does. And you should be very proud of that. And that scope of work will inform the next, which it did, the eight unit. And now you have two deals under your belt. And it's just going to, I think, continue to grow as you and your wife just, you know, pursue, um, you know, these dreams for financial freedom. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Yeah. I don't, I really, the jet is just a tool. I really don't care about cars yeah. or big houses because we have kids and my wife has stayed home and she'd have to clean it. So yeah. We don't really care about it. <laughs> or or you, she would have to clean it. You have to watch the kids while she cleans it. <laughs> so we, we really care about the financial freedom. That That yeah. is our goal, not the stuff, man. Yeah. What is, uh, in this journey, I'm sure you've kind of written down some whys. Um, what, is, what is one or two of those you could share? Big time, the the financial freedom, but also like my family. Uh, I didn't grow up with a ton of money. Definitely yeah. middle class. You know, my father was a pilot, but we know, especially two thousand eight, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. And so wanting to see a different future for us, and then in uh, Gary Keller's book about being a it's multi, uh, millionaire real estate investor. Yeah, yeah. He talks about your why should be for you, and mm. so. Really, it's I want to be the best version of myself. Yeah. I know I can do more. I remember sitting in the cockpit of those, you know, private jets when I was a young kid. I knew I could achieve what these other guys had because they would tell me I'm not smarter than you, Jordan. Yeah. And so it's like, if they can, so can I. Uh, It just goes back to like the network. Yeah. And surrounding yourself. And, and I think it's amazing that on a, at an early age, you probably had several, not just one, but you were there, you know, several times, impactful conversations and visualizing like these are, this is what's possible. Mm. You know, I have a mastermind group of guys, um, this real small group, but every week we get together and we talk about what we're trying to kind of move the ball down the field. And when the guy next to me says, like, hey, I just found this deal, or I'm looking at buying a company, or whatever they're doing. It, like, I feel honestly, like I can, I can completely be honest. I feel zero jealousy. I just feel inspired to go do my, you know, whatever is in front of my lane mm. to go do that. Right. And, um, but 
every week, like I get pushed because I'm like, well, if they're doing that and it's not a competitive thing, it's just like, that's possible. Right. What can I make that's possible? You know, and it, it always fires me up to, to really push for the, the next thing. So it's just like, I mean, like you were talking about that gratitude, like it's an incredible opportunity that you got to be in those positions, talking to those men, seeing what was possible and it's really obviously impacted you. So, um, well, I always say time is our most valuable asset. And yeah. thank you so much for your time. Where can people uh, get a hold of you and um, just kind of reach out if they're interested in this, you know, infinite banking concept and that insurance and stuff like that? Yeah. As well, you know, just connecting the Birmingham area. Um, probably the best place is my cell phone number. Yeah. That might be foolish, but on the internet, <laughs> it's already out there. You yeah, know, right. You know, as being a real estate agent, it's out there. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. So my phone number is 205-717-6117, or my website, I got jordanmiles.org. Uh, I couldn't buy jordanmiles.com because it was 15 grand. So. Yeah, yeah, Just a drop in the bucket, Come right? On. <laughs> well, like I said, I appreciate the time, man. Um, this has been great interview and very insightful very interesting to learn about the different creative financing stuff you did like super proud of you for you know taking down some really massive deals your first deals you should be super excited about that and um you know it's when we first met it's just like like this is a super cool guy but as we talk i'm just like i'm looking forward to continuing the relationship yeah. and and seeing what you do in the next five years because, you know, you've already got an incredible start, um, you know, in your investing uh, career. So that's awesome, man. 